I guess we should get started, huh? Because I have a feeling we're going to talk for a while today. It seems like we got stuff to talk about, so. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. So welcome to Don't Forget to Charge It, your podcast about everything batteries with JJ. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, and I'm Andy. We're not going to talk about charging batteries. We're going to talk, well... I got my batteries recharged by these three episodes. That's what I'm gonna say. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah, go. I, oh, hold. Uh, let me be more clear. I got my batteries recharged by two of these three episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not as we discuss uh, on the last subspace transmission, right? The the episodes that we watched felt like they fell in an arc right mm-hmm. we'd watch three episodes and one would be kind of okay whatever one would be great and one would be pretty bad i don't know if we had one that was pretty bad in this i don't think so no but we definitely had some that were better than others so absolutely yeah what a what a cool well, we'll get into it, but yes, definitely. I think some were stronger, but it doesn't. Uh, I don't think our normal judgment of Discovery plays here very hard. So mm-hmm. let's get into it. We're talking about nine, ten, and eleven of season three of Discovery today. So if you haven't seen them, don't listen because there's yeah or omega yeah, or- spoilers for some of the characters in this show. Yeah, um, you know, we're getting very near to the end of the season here, so double yeah. especially if you're just watching along, you don't really care about spoilers, um, you know, we're about to, like, start revealing end plots for some of these characters, it seems. Yes, it it would seem. Uh, all right. Can't, can't know, because I haven't seen the rest, <laughs> but, yeah, you know. Well, let's get into it. Episode 9. Finally, we're going to uh, tackle Giorgio and her major issues and the uh, the, Terran, the Terran guy, the last Terran expert in the universe. Uh, yeah. The uh, the last FBI agent or whatever. <laughs> He's so good. Oh, man. His vibe is good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's not on screen long enough to really judge, but he's he's got a good vibe. I like uh, him. I like him, too. Um we find out that there's another instance of someone coming across space and time, much like Giorgio, uh, very conveniently for the plot. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but it was cool. I don't know if you caught the little reference of why he came across space and time. Um, did they say? Yes, they did. They said he was brought through a rip in time by a Romulan mining machine. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. So, little uh, reference to the Kelvin timeline, I guess, being part of the universe somewhere, technically. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I mean, the Kelvin timeline's not inherently bad. No, no. It's just different. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he uh, he eventually asked to be euthanized because of how painful his death was. Right. So. Um yeah, if, that's what we have I guess to we don't, look forward to. <laughs> we're not all the way sure that that person is from the Terran universe, right? We're no, he's sure. from the... Kel- it's, it, they seemed to imply 
he was thrown forward in time from the Kelvin universe into Prime. I see. Okay. It looked like maybe he was on the Kelvin. I couldn't tell. He had like a Kelvin era uniform. Right. Yeah. It was definitely like old school uniform for sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, it's uh, it's moderately unimportant, uh, but it was a nice little nod. It bodes bad for our good friend Philippa Georgiou, though. So now we know that we have to do something about it, and Hugh magically uses the sphere data to say that there's a 5% chance she'll live if she goes to Danis 5. Now, the, uh, this is another instance where Hugh didn't do anything. The sphere data just volunteered the information. No, oh, he said, computer, is there a solution? <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Yeah, exactly. Try a little yeah. harder. Exactly. He didn't do anything. The computer just volunteered the information, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Admiral Vance seems like a good guy. I I was just I had a note here uh, in this part of the episode that says, you know, I'm liking the Admiral more more and more here, and I think I'm liking Saru less. Yeah, they have a weird discussion, and it, I wonder, based on some later the later episode here, if they're setting Saru up. For something else other than captaincy. Mm. It's a weird way they do it later. And I don't know that I agree with it. But it seems like he's having a discussion. And they have it in a way that is for the audience's benefit. Maybe more than for Saru's benefit. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It definitely felt like let's give exposition. A little uh, bit. And also the let's teach the morals again moment of... um, you know, Saru says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few because right. Osiris is going to attack uh, uh, somewhere. Who did, where well, did he it, say? Well, it, they didn't know. They, they didn't know, but the Emerald Chain they felt was going to attack imminently, right? Right, because... and so Saru says, we got to be here because they're going to attack. And, uh, and the Admiral's like, well, buddy, sometimes you have to understand that if your crew doesn't see that you're going to stick your neck out for them, they're not going to stick your ne- their neck out for you, basically, right? right? I think he actually right. says, uh, if your crew member is drowning, uh, you need to save them because your crew and you will never look at yourself the same way again. Right. And it's like the, it's something you would implicitly understand if you were like, you know, had uh, come through your captaincy in a normal way, I imagine in order to get the crew to respect you in the first place. Yeah. Uh, you know, they wouldn't like, if you're just some dude who Scarfreak command assigns to the, the captain's chair, these people are going to be like, not even know who you are. And a process of knowing who you are and learning to trust you and all that stuff would be to like do good things for them. And like that kind of rapport would come normally. This Um, is a thing that Burnham is good at. Saru is not exactly. Yes. Um, and whereas then Saru, thus far has been a little better at the let's actually do what the admirals and the command say <laughs> uh, as opposed to just doing whatever we want, which is the thing that he is good at and she is not. Right. Um, but anyway, I, I thought it was a good scene just kind of like letting the admiral know, be like, look, man, yeah, I, I'm on your case all the time because I want you to do things that I say. But also, if you don't do some stuff for yourself here, it's going to you need to do. Yeah, your crew's going to fall apart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's a good uh, little scene. 
uh, Giorgio tries to get Burnham to fight, but she won't do it. So instead, she gets a uh, 007 countdown wristwatch. <laughs> I uh, you want? I want to point out that they're like little practice like room they had. Uh, just a little comment I thought was fun. They're you know they have like a little exercise room where we've seen it several times in the show off yeah. and on, right? It's uh-huh. like a this is a room for working out and I think Burnham kicked other through kinds a dummy of there. Yeah. It apparently has a bunch of like swords. <laughs> it's like sitting around there. It's like Giorgio just grabs a sword. It's like what? It's just, it's got swords. I've yeah. never seen swords in there. What the sharp, heck? Sharp swords just sitting around. Yeah. What? Before holodeck technology. Who maintains? Well, no. These now swords? they have holodecks, I guess. But they've had the training room since they were since right. they were a little baby ship. Yeah, and there was no holodecks then. Um, I just thought it was funny. It's like, yeah, they just got like ten swords there on a rack. NBD. Yeah. How come? Because a lot of people there are into swords. I don't know. How come? Hold on. I have to write down a note about hollows, hollow decks for later. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. I have to. I didn't realize this until now. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. We'll talk. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, okay. I thought well, that was a really good. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. We'll, yeah, uh, we'll talk about it later. We need to talk about it later. We got to think through that one later. Um. Can we take an aside about Stamets and Adira for a second and then get back into the good part of this? Okay. Why all of a sudden is Stamets... Stamets is still Stamets to everybody except for now Tilly and Adira. He's like... Is their dad? He's trying to like warm blanket them all the time. It's smothering me. Uh, it's because they ran out of character ideas for him, and so now he's Adira's dad. That's his new character, apparently. And Jet Reno, the same thing. Like, well, just write her out. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? They all have nothing to do. I don't understand. Yeah, uh... I think they might have too many characters. Anyway, I... The biggest problem with uh, this whole thing uh this show in general i think is the like they have ideas they get through the ideas when the idea is resolved you know like stamets big thing was that like you know he was the slave to the spore drive essentially and that was causing him a whole thing and then his relationship with hugh he didn't have a thing this season right his thing about being the thing with the spore drive was resolved in like episode four. Yeah, Deere removed everything from the spore drive, and and now like his thing is he's her dad, I guess. Yeah. Okay. It's just drama every time they're on the screen now, and like yeah, I don't. I'm not invested in their drama because they have nothing else to do other than drama. Well, Deere might by the end here, but. Ugh. All right. Let's get back on track because the rest of this is really good. Yeah. Uh, Booker decides he wants to help. And I wrote down a note here that says, please, can Booker be the new section 31? (laughs) Uh, I found there was one line in this little talk here with Booker where he said, like, he has to find your moment. Oh, Saru, yeah. That was a good little good little Mm -hmm. line for him. Eventually, Uh, you'll be useful within the rules. Yeah. And you'll find your moment. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, uh, I'm happy that Booker is going to stick around potentially then. I am too. Yeah. That's good. I, 
I very much like him and I like his relationship with Burnham and it's, you know, if we bring in characters that are interesting and new and have things to do, we should write out old characters. We don't have to keep them around just because they're here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I, and I, I love Giorgio and, uh, Burnham bantering. They obviously mm-hmm. have practiced it a lot. <laughs> yeah. They've had quite a few. Se- I, you know, I think they, well, they, they get into it and more here and in the next episode too. But the, the two characters who have had the most history together, whether on screen history, I guess, um, yeah. in this show is them. So it's and, good. And it's interesting. They developed so much rapport with each other, despite the fact that they are not the person that they had the most. So like their relationship with each other has developed into such a deep thing. And yet it's because they had deep relationships with people in their own universes that, you know, so like not necessarily each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so they get through the end of, and it's episode two of this is the best one of these episodes because agreed of the end of it where they really discover for themselves, like, Oh, our relationship developed past wanting you to be the one that I lost, right? Like, right, yeah. It, easily the end. The this is. I mean, okay. Like this episode is called Terra Firma Part One. Terra Firma Part Two. The next one wraps a bunch of stuff up. The the end of that episode, yeah, is like probably one of the best emotional moments we've had in the entire show so far. Maybe yes, it's up there for sure, guaranteed. Really, really good. And then, then we um, get but let's Carl. Talk a, let's talk about Carl. Let's talk about Carl. Do we get to? We don't spoil Carl in this episode, right? We we no, wonder we, what you, Carl is in this episode. You don't know who Carl is here. Okay, I thought at the start because of the way he was telling jokes and riddles that he was a Q. Mmm. I definitely had that thought, and I discarded it at some point once he started being like really like where he was like being pointless where he was just like pointlessly answering their questions with a non-answer right because cues just don't answer questions they're just like you ask them a question and they talk about something else sure uh yes and i have to say once we find out later we'll have to talk about why he talks this way Mm mm-hmm but it, to me, I thought, oh, he's just being like a, a riddly run around different cue. He's not the cue. He's not the. Well, uh, I mean, there are many cues, as we learned, right? Sure, sure. He's not John Delancey cue. He's not John Delancey cue. Yes, cl- yeah. that's what I mean to say. Yeah, I uh, I thought at this point he was some kind of like weird either AI or alien or something that Starfleet had imprisoned on this planet because it was like <laughs> super duper dangerous or something. And this was some kind of trick or whatever, but yeah. anyway, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's all good. Anyway, he offers some kind of deal to Giorgio. Uh, well, he, he seems to be completely he, aware of her condition. Yeah. And he basically says, 
I'm I'm here to help in so much as this is on you to do the thing to help yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he you know, can't, he's like he, to, he's like I can't just got to go through the door, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess we should say in the plot he says, you know, here's the door. Well, what's the door for? Well, usually you walk through a door. Okay, but what does the door do? You walk through the door and you get to the other side of the door. And like, he's like <laughs> then it gets you on the other side. Yeah. It's a door, you know, yeah. like uh, yeah, Burnham, Burnham's and, head and he's is, like, you know, got steam coming out of it, obviously, because hey, she's the she's, science officer and she can't not get an answer to something. She's about to fight him. I can feel her just like <laughs> starting to put up her fists and be like, let's go, Carl. Give me a real answer. <laughs> she definitely does. These two episodes, I'm just going to say up front, Sonequa Martin-Green and Michelle Yeoh act their ass off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In yeah. both here we go in both universes <laughs> well yeah and the spoiler is he, Giorgio says i'm taking this chance whatever it is i don't care yeah hey and you know i've got to go door, through the right? door i i i don't have another choice my body is falling apart right in front of you here it doesn't matter that he's not answering the question i gotta go i gotta go through the door she goes through the door and is back. seemingly transported into yeah. the mirror universe again she is back to the mirror which earlier on she says is the prime universe and you're the mirror. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, depends Makes on what you're looking at. Right. Makes sense. And, uh, I love that their, their stupid salute is terra firma. <laughs> well, they have a lot of salutes. I, in, that's a, such a dumb salute phrase that I just love it. It's yeah. It's like hard earth. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's funny because in this episode, uh, I was thinking about the title. Why is it terra firma? And it's like, well, because, it's probably the last time we'll see the mirror universe. Uh, well, but also like solid ground, you know, there that's Giorgio has kind of been floating and that's trying the to... thing. Yes, exactly. The, the metaphor of solid ground makes a lot of sense when you think about where she's headed and what she needed. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's great. It's a great use of a dumb catchphrase. <laughs> I know <laughs> it is dumb, uh, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Surprisingly. Uh, yeah. I, I still enjoy it. I mean, their exploration of the mirror and like every single show seems to have dipped their toe in the mirror, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think, is there anyone that didn't? And I mean, I guess we haven't seen Lower Decks do it, but there's only been 10 episodes. So yeah, uh, they, I think they've mentioned the mirror universe. In I Lower think they Decks, have. I don't think they actually went there. I don't recall. Did TNG go there? They had to have gone there. Yes. Right? Yeah. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't, I know. Uh, isn't like Evil DS, Beard Riker a thing? Yeah, Evil Beard Riker's a thing. DS9 went there. DS9 went there many times. Um, Which is weird. So given what happens in this ending of this, we have to wonder what happens to the Terran Empire, even though it's still intact later, right? Like, I don't know they thought through. Well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So she's back in the mirror, and my first reaction was, she's going to hate it here. <laughs> yeah. That was my literal first reaction before she, before uh, Captain Killy even opens her mouth. Yeah. It was a, uh, you know, she goes back and is like, you know, she, she realizes where she is, and you just be like, oh man. Giorgio, you're in a pickle. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be bad for you, probably. And it seems like um, 
you know, everyone's noticed a little bit that she's lost a step in terms of trying to figure out where she's at and how to behave. And uh, first of all, stop. Because I'm going to talk about this little party that they're at in the in the suite after she gets introduced. And there's a, a couple important things that happen with Burnham sitting down in the party. But <sighs> stop using your SFX budget on stupid robots <laughs> that we don't uh, yeah. need to see ever. Yeah, it's really dumb. And it is impressive that they're are so many really dumb SFX shots yeah, here. Yeah, the, the episode 10 opens with one in that stupid turbo lift dead space that doesn't exist in any of the ships, but all of a sudden does because we need SFX time. Yep. I, I hate this and I hate that so much. It's mm-hmm. just lazy transitioning. Mm-hmm. But it's a cool shot, Andrew, and there's little robots. We love the little I robots. Work, Everyone loves little robots. I work in this field, and you've wasted so much money on these dumb robots that nobody needs to see. Yep. Okay. I got my piece out of the way. <laughs> uh, M- M- uh, Michelle Yeoh is what I was going to say. <laughs> Giorgio, Michelle Yeoh, Giorgio. Uh, mm-hmm. knows that she has returned back in time to just before Lorca betrays her. Yeah, she uh, uh, she realizes, like, she has to be, like, sly about asking what day it is or whatever. Yeah. Um, and she, like, learns that this is the day or the day before she's betrayed. This is the day before she's betrayed and goes on a killing rampage and all that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, and we... You know, she remembers Burnham betrays her with Lorca and all that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. says, hey, Killy, I asked you to look into that thing. What's going on with that thing? And Killy confirms all of it. Right. And that you right. know everybody's got to die because we're back in the mirror. Yeah. So this is what we kill everyone. Right. Yeah. There's this uh, little party scene where she saves Saru from Burnham's service, I guess. I mean, it seems like it seems like Burnham was just going to kill him right here, right? right? Because she he talked to somebody, and so yeah, he, uh, so she the, saves the Kelpians in the in this universe are like slaves essentially, and food, and food, and Burnham was just going to kill him and eat him here, and uh, Georgia saves him from that because she wants to have him in her service. Well, I, which people I look guess at because- weirdly. Yeah, people do look at that weirdly that she didn't just like kick him in the face. Right. You know, uh, there's a lot of that happening where people are noticing she's kind of lost a step a little bit, but still, oh, whoa, and Killy are loyal. So, mm-hmm. Burnham, um, she's trying to launch a plan to bring Burnham back to her. She wants. Right. She obviously, she has come to the realization already, you can see that her Burnham is not a Burnham she likes or enjoys or thinks is living to her fuller potential like she has discovered in the Prime Universe, right? Right. And uh, she does see her like a daughter, so she's trying to find a way to break apart her and Lorca, but also not get killed. (laughs) And I think it's an interesting... Like, this is an interesting path for Giorgio's character here, right? Because... 
you know, the you could argue that in the Prime universe, she had been spending a lot of time trying to make that Burnham more like the one she knew in the Mirror universe, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now in the Mirror universe, she suddenly realizes, actually, that's not what I want. And what I want is a is this Burnham to be more like the other one who I now like also. I think she right? also Which, learns an important lesson about trying to change people. I think that's true. And I, you know, we'll get into that more here on the next one too. So yeah. Um, uh, yeah. She uses Saru now. She's she, her time in the prime universe has made her much smarter, mm-hmm. like much smarter and at least more wily because she immediately says, Saru, Hi. I'm going to talk to you and treat you like, you know, a sentient being and say, I know you hear everything in Burnham's quarters. So tell me what she's planning. Yeah. Also, and, uh, you need to like inform on me for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like use your network, your Kelpian network. And uh, you need to start telling me everything that's going on, which I think is genius. Yeah. It was uh, good. And, you know, like playing on the stuff that she learned in the prime universe about Kelpians about like Baharai and all mm-hmm. this other stuff that like they don't talk about. So how would she know? Right. But like right. It, knowing all that stuff ingratiates her to him. Yeah. And so he's like, Oh, okay. Like I can trust yeah. her. She, he, she knows stuff about us that only we would know. Right? right. And she, remember this is Saru's person is Saru, but he doesn't have a name in this one. So when, yeah. he's, when she talks about Saru later, he's like, Oh wow. This Kelpian named Saru sounds great. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, Saru reminds her that basically uh, in in the Terran Empire, the person who sheds the most blood gets to make the rules. And that's just the way that it is. And she's going to get killed if she doesn't start behaving like her old self again. No one's going to respect her. So right. she comes up with the idea that her Burnham will only respect strength. And so she has to figure out a way to change her back to uh to trust to a trustworthy person by showing her that she's not weak somehow mm-hmm. without killing her right uh so she's going to uh, use Saru instead and that, I think it's really I mean it shows a lot of determination and character growth and all the it's very well designed this this change in character um yeah it's it's really good i yeah, it, it's it very shows good. At the beginning of this, and much more in the second episode, but at the beginning of this, you can already see that they understand who they created. I don't know if... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like four people listed on the story for this, and I don't know how much the director had to do with it. But, man, did they understand who Philippa Georgiou Mirror was. Mm-hmm. And who she had become, and who they wanted her to be. And I, I really don't think they do that that strongly and quickly with anyone else on the show everyone else is a project that needs tweaking and work and even burnham is well defined and and just let me finish and then just because okay i finished my thought uh even burnham who's very well defined as a character constantly is yo-yoing up you know progress isn't a straight line in real life or in shows uh, but Giorgio seemed to at least always have a clear direction and a clear character. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what were we going to say? Uh, I think I I largely agree with you here. I think the the Giorgio's 
uh, character always felt like the one that had a purpose more than the other ones, at mm-hmm. least, right? In a lot of instances, it felt like we talked uh, several episodes ago when we were watching season two and earlier in season three, how the show kind of felt like it was wandering around, right? Like they didn't really have a, a plan or a goal in some instances. It felt that way. Yeah. The only character who always felt like they had a goal was Giorgio. And every right? episode she was in always felt like it was a purpose-driven episode that moved from beginning to end and was brought there by very quick... Michelle Yeoh has a very quick wit, and that is amazing to see considering she's in her second language. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Right, yeah, yeah true. Uh, you, you forget that Michelle Yeoh... Uh, yeah, I'm sure at this point, like, she's fluent in many Absol- languages. But and the, absolutely. It wasn't her first language, I assume, right? And I'm so. sure she, I mean, she's a prolific uh, Chinese, uh, Chinese or Malaysian? She might be Malaysian. She, uh, I believe regardless, she's Malaysian. She, I don't want to say she, the wrong thing, but I, I remember looking this up. She's prolific in Chinese and Hong Kong and Hong Kong films, kinds, yeah. She's, films, yeah. She's really famous for her Hong Kong films. Um and that's, I mean, did, I've looked this up she, before. She's isn't Malaysian. She, yeah. Isn't she an Academy Award winner? She was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That um, movie won like best picture. I, dude, she's in a lot of Academy Award winning movies. I think Memoirs yeah. of a Geisha also. Oh yeah. Right. She definitely was in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, it, you know, she could slum it down here with us Star Trek nerds <laughs> if she <laughs> wants. I Yes. I'm, um, I will be happy to take a Michelle Yeoh any day of the week on my show. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, anyway, I think it's a uh, it's a testament to the character they created and the the stuff that they gave her to do and how her character has grown from the initial character that we get to this point, right? And it's it's so clear that Giorgio wants something that she's returned, you know ostensibly to her previous life, the life that she claimed multiple times, right? The best one where she was the emperor. Everything was great. This is, she, she has the time now to stop the rebellion, right? She can go back and tell Killy and her other loyalists to just go murder Lorca and everyone else. She already knows who the bad guys are, right? It's never like a secret. She knew who the ones who rebelled against her were. She could just have, she could just go kill them all herself. She didn't need this. And but I think you you're that's not what she wants. Right, exactly. You you are hitting it on the head, man. You can tell Michelle Yeoh's so good that you can tell the second she walks into that universe that she instantly remembers to be nervous all the time. To watch her back immediately. She's looking around right. hallways. Her character acting for this is so good because she just immediately seems to to remember that this is not a place she can trust. And right. you, she does it with her face and her body. And and it, it shows you that her character realizes this is a mistake. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be here anymore. And yeah, I want... You, I, I, you see that she's nervous all the time and that she doesn't like it. Yeah. Which, it, you know, again, you assume she did like it before. Right. And that's... you know. And that's the character growth right there. It's great. It's it's really, really good. And she's already talking about, I've seen what we should be. 
I've seen what mm-hmm. the, our potential is. There's another way for us to accomplish our goal. And she's not talking about like bringing Starfleet across into this universe, right? Right. No. And she's also not talking about founding a federation and making no, all kinds of peace not. and stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're, she's just talking about, I know a better way to rule our empire, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And by the end of this, there's like the, uh, I think there's the realization of a, or is that in the next episode, the coalition and all that sort of stuff. And she handles I think that's that the next, that's the next yeah, one. differently. So um, she uses her backdoor channels at the end of this. We could finish this one off since it's a two-parter. Um, sure. Stamets gets it in the neck. Uh, I loved their dedication to writing a dumb rhyming play about the dedication of this thing oh, and yeah. like the, the rise of the emperor. Right. It's it's like such a, uh, it's one of those things that like they would only do in an episode like this, right. Where it's in set in some weird universe or whatever. Yeah. And then they spent a bunch of time, like someone had to spend time writing limericks and stuff. I just, so they could yeah. make a story yeah. about the emperor. Like It's like one of those, like uh, what's the, the shows you show to appease the dictator or whatever. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. called it, it her 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 death play or something like that. I don't know. It was like one of those yeah. dedication, you know, right. things you would see in ancient China. In a, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't see them in ancient China, but you would see them in a movie about ancient China. You know, right? What I mean? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, and she's like, "Well, this was really great. Thanks, everyone." Bam! Stamos gets it. <laughs> Stamos gets Stam- it. Oh, Stamos uh, gets it in the neck, dude. It's so right good. In the neck. Right as he was starting to like pull out the dagger to stab her in the back. Right. And she's like, now everyone knows that uh, I'm in charge here, by the way, he was going to kill me. What's up. And, uh, you know, arrest these people (laughs) who are going over here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, there's a great, there's a great scene there where Burnham realizes she's onto her. So she, you know, like does the over, over exaggerated clapping and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Long yeah, live yeah. the emperor. It's not me. I got to get out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. For a second, like, okay, we're going to get to the next episode and then deal with it. And then they, they accost her in the hallway. It's just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. And, so, uh, you know, the, the episode ends here as Giorgio, you know, Burnham's like screaming, kill me. And everyone's like, yes, kill her. You know, you can even see in the background, like, Owo and Killy are like, yes, do it, right? Yeah. Um, and she's like, you know, she puts the sword in her neck and is like, well, no, our future will be unwritten from here out. Take her to the agonizer. And then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. The next episode is narrated, and I love it. The narration? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. Star Trek has the ability to narrate things very easily because of the captain's log. Mm-hmm, and they've mm-hmm. always done that. But we've never just gotten an... I, I mean, I can't say never. But it's very unusual to have just had a character narrate an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty rare. You, you get the, like, the captain's log or whatever of the personal log of whomever is involved, right? And it's the, like, exposition to the story of this episode. Yeah. You don't frequently get this, right? You don't frequently get it. And the purpose of it is very interesting to give you the idea behind why she's torturing the heck out of her daughter. Yeah. Uh, here is because 
the only thing she'll understand you know she says it's the only thing you'll understand it's the only way that i can reach you it's the only way that and she says like, all, the, all her lessons have to be learned through pain right yeah, that's what she says it's just she, a, that's her working theory here right is that mm-hmm. that in this universe uh i'll have to teach you and she says something outside the agonizer that's um I'm trying to find the note. I wrote it down. She re- she talks about how you know parents say this thing about like why won't you learn from me telling you? And so mm-hmm. she's got this very twisted version of what a lot of of real parents go through, which is I told you the answer to this. I told you what would happen if you did what I'm, you know, like Mhm. Telling you what ha- it's, it's like it's, you have to learn on your own. So it's a weird. I'm not trying to curse when I say this, but it's a bastardized version of that kind of like I tried to be the parent that taught you, but you wouldn't learn without making the mistake. I think sure. it's un- I think it's unfair in this episode because you taught her the other way. You know, right. like right. Uh, your character before you left this universe taught her the other way, so it's not really a. It's a it's a bit of a like I have to like break this person down all the way so that I can rebuild them because I screwed up the first time and this is how you like reset people. Yeah, and which I is think, a a pretty I think uh, bad. Yeah, and <laughs> like, I think it's, it's purposeful. I don't think that though. part is true necessary, but yeah. it, it certainly has a purpose in this episode for sure. Yeah, um, I feel that. Uh, Sonequa Martin Green has been tortured quite a lot on this show. Um, she and sure I really has. Feel bad. I really feel bad for her, uh, constantly having to act like she's being tortured. You it's know, not before great. she left Walking Dead, she was tortured on that show a lot too. Really wish we could get away from this. I don't like <laughs> seeing people tortured all the time. Can we just not? She acts her butt off, man. Like I'm not saying she's she doing a bad job. So good. I'm just in saying this. it's uncomfortable to watch. I understand. I understand. So um, I let's think talk this about- is the beginning of their thesis for this episode, which is she's going to do everything she can in within her knowledge of this universe to try mm-hmm. and change somebody. And obviously it's yeah. not going to work out. Right. And that's the well, the yeah, ending lesson, I think. Well, that certainly is the ending lesson yeah. for sure. Um, but let's talk about the blue credits. The what? The credits, man. Did you watch the opening credits? No, I missed it. I skipped the credits now. The opening credits for this one were mirrored. Oh, I got to go back then. Okay. They took in the uh, Discovery's opening credits are in this like, I don't know, what what color would you say that is? Like parchment-y color? Parchment and... And, and like uh, line drawings and line stuff. Line drawings with a lot of red. Yeah. This one, they invert everything so it's like a blue hue okay the the spark the sparks of blue are are, the sparks of red are 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 um wait no i think there are still the red is still red okay i'll have to look this up the parchment the parchment color is hue or uh, the parchment color is blue okay and they mirror everything upside down and so everything is reversed from what it was oh man okay so good yeah it's oh i thought ah for sure i was like andrew's gonna be the guy who saw the credits and we could talk about it i I finally i finally started skipping the credits (laughs) like mid season three 
Uh, me because, as the guy who almost always skips the credits too. To be to be fair, well, so the I button didn't this time because as I was fast forwarding through it, I noticed it's like, why is this blue? What the heck? And then oh, I went back. okay. So the button finally started working in my app. I always was watching the credits, which I like to watch um, most of the time because they they changed them for season yeah, three. There's a lot of did. change, and so There's, I watched them. Uh, the new Federation symbol is in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So I watched yeah. them at the beginning of the season, and then we got towards the middle, and I was like. Well, this button seems to be working now, so I guess we'll skip them. Um, and especially when I have like two or three in a night that I watch, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that button is very tempting. I can't blame you. Can't blame okay, you. Hold on, I'm gonna look at pictures of this. Mirror Universe Discovery credits. Images. I think. I think. Uh, I oh, think TNG maybe never never did go to the mirror universe. TNG didn't. I don't. I don't. I can't. And I've been thinking about it more. I don't think so. I, I don't, don't think. recall them mirroring TNG. Yeah, I don't think. But they it ever doesn't. Did. I mean, it doesn't matter that DS9 did it, and so did um... DS9 did it a bunch, and DS9 the original did series did, of OG course. Series did it. Um, uh, Enterprise did, and now Discovery. Yeah universe that's not what i want anyway uh that's cool and i'm glad oh it's got the knife behind it that's cool yeah right it's got a knife behind it mirror universe star trek discovery credits i'm gonna try and mute this really quick so that doesn't make any noise cool Mm mm-hmm Okay. I'm sad I missed this. <laughs> I mean, it's not that. I mean, it's it's cool. But yeah, it's, it's like not it's, groundbreaking. It is, right. It's nothing insane, but it is very cool. Wait, isn't uh, there an episode of T- which episode of TNG is called Mirror Mirror? Isn't that the Mirror Universe? Yes, I think that's the original one, right? Yeah, isn't that the original series? That's the original episode? series one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Man, if you know off the top of your head if TNG had a mirror episode, you should send it to us and we'll watch it. Yeah. I looked very quickly in Memory Alpha, but I didn't see it. But also, okay. I'm in the middle of a podcast. So we got off track here. We did. Um, so, uh, you know, they, I think there is a, a bit of a, uh, so Michael attempts to, you know, so supposedly uh, she, Michael finally, after being tortured all this time, relents, right? Giorgio has, uh, Lorca never shows up, firstly. Yeah, so she talks Giorgio about the has, coalition to Giorgio. She's, she, I'm not convinced torture is the best method, but she sure is. Certainly um, doesn't seem that way, but yeah, she, you know. You know, she tells her that we have, we must remake ourselves, like in the right. cell before she, you know, puts her in the agonizer and gives her to Tilly to break. Mm-hmm. Um, she says we must remake ourselves, and and that's a realization more about her self, I think, than yeah. you know, what's possible in this universe, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, they she tells a story to Burnham in the cell that I think is important. It's weird. I wonder. 
Okay, so uh, she it, talks about night terrors and fireflies. Do you think that it's a direct reference to that short trek? I do. Yes. Exactly. Um, man, what a... We got a lot of a lot of stuff to break down here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You talk talk about the fireflies first. So, uh, Giorgio is visiting Michael while she's asleep, passed out. She seems unclear. to be have been tortured into passed out. Yes, sedated. Unclear what's going on here. Uh, anyway, Michael is vis- or Giorgio is visiting Michael and brings her a little globe with a bunch of fireflies in it, right? And they're all flying around inside and lighting up as fireflies do. Yeah. Uh, Or as they do in movies anyway. Sure. Uh, And, you know, she tells her, you know, remember this story about night terrors and, you know, you could always remember that even when the night is the scariest or whatever, you have these little lights here. And I I don't remember, like, I feel like I'm going to butcher anything that she says because oh. I don't remember exactly the Yeah, phrase she tells here. her, you know, that she used to wake up screaming in the night and right. she would hold her down until she'd stop. And then one night she didn't hold her down and she walked to a field where there were fireflies and she would stop and calm down. Mm-hmm. That's basically what she says. And so, like you know, I'll bring you all the fireflies in the universe if you come back. You know what I mean? Right, yes. Uh, yeah, so how do you think that one hit with the short trick? I I don't know. It, because of like the theme of fireflies, which is another big thing in that short trick, right? It's like all the stars are like, the, all the little fireflies become like the stars or whatever. Yeah, the girl who made the stars. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe they're like thematically connected more than directly connected. Yeah. Um, but it, it just it like it was the first thing I thought of right when she brought the fireflies into the scene. I'm like, oh, is she like making some kind of reference to the short trek? I don't know they if definitely I'm supposed are. to think so, that or not. But so in the short trek, the Burnham's uh avatar i guess the young the young girl meets an alien at the end of that after overcoming her fear of the dark right because of the night beast and all that so i went back and and thought about this and i thought well originally in the story she meets an alien and the alien uses light to create the stars right Mm -hmm. and then grows up to be this like queen of of africa Right. So the lesson there, right, is more whether or not Giorgio has given Burnham the tools to succeed, to create the stars, to be the the leader that she needs to be. Mm. And whether it's this Giorgio, uh, whether it's this Burnham or the other one, thematically. Right. If you're going to, if you're, which you should tie these two together. Absolutely. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Those themes would play in that direction, I think. I don't see how else you could really interpret those two things. Is like, 
clearly the yeah. story is about Burnham. The the short trek is about Burnham in in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like learning to overcome the thing that scares you and be able to, you know, move past your fears and and you know have success because you're able to face your fears, right? Right. And uh, and, and that lesson is something that she didn't maybe succeed teaching here, but she might have succeeded with the other and why she says at the end of this, that she, that Saru is not the only captain on that ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my interpretation of how they're connected because they're, they're very clearly similarly linked stories on purpose. Yeah. She goes out into the night just like she does. Like, you know, the African girl, I don't, they don't have a name for her, but does in that story. Right. Right. And, uh, what I thought was interesting about this, uh, from a personal perspective is that night terrors do not inherently end well. Uh, having had a child that has them, one of the worst things you can do is try to get them out of it. And so I can't tell if this writer knows that and is making the point that uh, holding her down was not the right way. I think that's what they were trying to do. Mm. Because the the best thing you can do for them is to let let them work through it without interrupting. Right. Mm. Uh, so it's a weird, it's a weird story to have used to, to have given her night terrors. I have to say I had a different experience than Michelle Yeoh did, I guess, because I mean, at the end of this, she says she wishes she could have that time back. And I'm like, I, 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 uh, I, I, I do not want that time back. I don't think this is, I think you have a uh, more personal connection to the idea of night terrors than perhaps maybe this writer did. I don't know that, you know, I mean, she Uh, definitely knows some of it. So as a person who has not experienced night terrors, right. I don't, I don't have that connection. Sure. I don't know that I would have known that you shouldn't wake people up. Yeah. But what I did, what I did get from this scene and this, like this discussion here is that, you know, that is a very like motherly thing for Zorjo to be doing right. I, she clearly loves this person. Yeah. She has this care. She wants this child of hers, even you know, maybe not by blood or whatever, but like an actual, a child of hers. She wants them to face her fears. She wants her to grow up, to become a strong and, you know, to, to become the person that she sees that this child could become. Right. I think we're focusing so on the, we're I, learning that as opposed to I, yeah. like, I don't, you know, I don't know what the science is behind night terrors. I think the science of it is less important than the lesson that, that comes from this. And I think it, it it stuck out to me because I feel like this is one of the most important sections of this two episode arc. Yeah. Um, And it it just struck me a little bit because like uh, they use something that I have a definite personal experience with um, that she comes to a, 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 conclusion that i understand in terms of the story but that hits wrong because of the personal experience (laughs) like wishing for night terrors back so you could hold them is not 
like, oh, please, no, no, never again. Like, if you grew out of your <laughs> night terrors, please don't ever come back because they can be very, very hard to deal with um, for for everybody. Anyway, uh, the the important thing that comes out of this is that she, I think, is having a discussion. She's talking to Burnham, but she's obviously having a discussion with herself. Yeah, definitely. And she's having a discussion with the other Burnham. And I think in this, you can find... I actually felt like, in a lot of cases, her talking to this Burnham is more often her talking to the other one. Absolutely. Than the one that's here. And that's the realization she's coming to discussing this. I think she starts to understand that she's in love with the daughter she pulled off the trash heap. Because she wanted her to grow up and be as independent and strong as the Burnham in the Prime Universe. Yes, exactly. But the Burnham in the Prime Universe didn't grow up the way she expected or wanted her to. She's not, you know, the queen or the captain or anything. Right? Yep. But she still exemplifies everything that she had hoped from her daughter in this universe. Yes, exactly. And that this story, I think, is so perfectly written in that moment. It's great. It's just absolutely great. I, shout out the people that made this episode. Yeah, these two episodes. No, it's really good. Bo really, really Yan good. Kim, Erica Lippold, Alan McElroy, and Kalinda Vasquez nail nail moments in this episode that just make them perfect. Yeah, I again it, this one Terra Firma Part Two is easily the best of the three, and this Terra Firma Part Two. It's been a long three seasons of watching this mm-hmm. show. Uh, yep, but currently my opinion is that I love this, and it it's might be great. my favorite. It's really good. Um, we can kind of breeze through till we get to the end stuff. I think because kind of the rest of this is sort of just like. Yeah, Mir- it, so it, it, we could action to move to the end. Sure, right? sure. Mira Saru is worried for her, um, you know, getting betrayed. Uh, uh, she's she, uh, she has this moment with him, telling him about the other the other people. You know, so I guess after this, um, Burnham, you know, breaks and says, "Oh, I'm back," and then she murders right. everybody. Well, and they, you know, she gets the the chance to give her twenty pieces of silver, you know. Yeah. Of like, uh, uh-huh. you know, okay. Giorgio says, "Well, fine, I'll let you back in if you kill everyone who mm-hmm. who did this for me." Yeah, I take your friend with you. Sure. Yeah, go ahead, whatever. And then at the end is like, was that everyone, Michael? You know, <laughs> and it makes her kill her friend also. Uh, yeah. And you know, yeah, literally, you know, throws the little badges of the people that she's she's killed on Giorgio's feet, like you know, her atonement, her. You know, yeah. 20 pieces of silver here and um it's a uh it's a good that's a good scene um i think it's good you know yeah but, but then uh you know as then you know Giorgio's plans continue to go on and she's gonna try to figure out how to deal with the coalition and all this stuff and like i she figured it out she made trade deals with them and broke the coalition apart completely <laughs> yeah. yeah uh but she we get the scene with saru and that's important too for real yeah. quick because one, she tells him Faharai is not the end of you, and it's not the end of any of your people. So lock yourself in your room, and and you'll live. And uh, that's going to change some stuff at the end of this. 
Yeah. Uh, but but I think here is where I, we all realize she's not going to live in this universe. Right. Right. She's going to let a Kelpian live and people are going to be PO'd. Oh, at, yeah. At best, she doesn't get betrayed by Burnham. At worst, she does again. But neither neither way does it la- does it last, right? Like she's eventually Killy's gonna betray somebody's gonna betray her because she's gonna start letting people live, and, well, and, and like, it's just not know, gonna the, last. Her, uh, you could already see, right? Like the the sharks are circling, right? Yeah. Burnham even says to her, you know, sometimes like, "What is this? You know, you're acting weak. Why don't sure. we just, you know, blow this ship out of the sky or whatever?" and you know, all, all these various things. And, and like, you could see that it's not going to, she's not just going to be able to maintain her iron fist of rule that she had before. No, right. And can't. it's just not going to work. Yeah. She's not that person anymore. And, you know, so then it is like the least surprising thing in the world. <laughs> later, when Burnham says, ha ha, I wasn't actually broken. I'm oh, betraying yeah. you. Yeah. And it's, it's like, not very surprising. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah that no, whole scene no with the like, Oh, we've shown up. And there's a shuttle here, and it's just one shuttle, and you're like, "Well, that's the sacrificial lamb," you know? Yeah, <laughs> definitely not suspicious here. Yeah, uh, and then the double, triple betrayal of everybody betraying everybody because nobody trusted anybody the whole time. Saru I saves mean, yeah. the day, kind of. At the end, you know, that the payoff of her trusting the Kelpians the whole time is that they bust in with assault rifles and shoot everyone. Which yeah. you know, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, um, which then, of course, you know, uh, she, she also gets killed. She, got, you know, she right. gets into a one-on-one fight with her uh, daughter in this universe. Has to kill and Michael, Michael again. Won't stop fighting, so she kills her again. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, and that's it. She dies there again. Yep. And uh, uh, and, and awakens <laughs> uh, awakens in the snow with Carl again. Carl. So. Uh, yeah, immediately we find out that Carl is the guardian of forever. Yeah, he says that. You doesn't don't believe tell him? Us, doesn't tell us what that is. Oh, okay. Uh, well, he you Burnham kind of tries to explain it, but... So, the guardian of forever is from TOS. Okay, so see, this is stuff I was not aware of. Ah, this is one of my favorite episodes. It's City on the Edge of Forever. Hmm. Which is... Which is, uh, I don't even know how you talk about someone like Harlan Ellison. Uh, because he's probably a person you would have hated to meet. You know? Uh, prolific and very good writer. City on the Edge of Forever is great. Uh, it's the one, you might remember, where they go through a portal because McCoy sticks himself with cortisone or whatever citrazine or whatever the magical something happens yeah he hyposprays himself with like pounds of the stuff and then goes crazy and then jumps through a time portal and the time portal looks exactly the same as this time portal i see i was wondering what the significance of the portal was but i never looked it up so there's Uh, no carl in that episode uh the portal just talks i see and uh in that universe the portal can only show time in a linear fashion. You have to just sort of jump in and guess. Uh, and mm. then I think in the animated series, the guardian came back and they changed the rules a little bit to be like, no, nah, actually before I was just messing around with that was, 
it, kind of here, I think where like while while Carl is talking, you get the idea that he can kind of do whatever he wants, and he does it differently for every single person he comes across. You certainly get that impression here, right? In, in Discovery, so I, think, I think Discovery does a great job of saying, you know, the Guardian of the Wills just or the Guardian of Forever, Guardian of the Wills is Star Wars. <laughs> uh, the Guardian of Forever just is able to manipulate time, and he does it differently for everyone. Like in the yeah. In the other show, he doesn't he doesn't like riddle them as much. He's just sort of a snarky his his voice through the portal is just kind of a starky snarky thing. Uh, uh, but he I, might speak, I, I think, yeah. I think the the reason here though, like it, it comes back right, like you know Carl talks and says, yeah. "Hey, here's what I'm doing," and all this sort of stuff. And then you sort of learn that, he, you know, he holds up the newspaper and it says, you know, oh, future is uncertain or whatever, right? Instead yeah. of she's dead. Right. Uh, which is what we saw in the previous episode. And yeah. I think you get, you know, he talks about like, oh, you know, this was this was a test of yeah. some kind, right? Like you were weighed and this, is you know. You were weighed assuming- and measured and she says found wanting. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. You tell me. What do you think? Is, do you think like, yeah, it's like, I don't know. What do you think? You're yeah, you're the one here. Um, yeah, no, it's good. It's a, uh, it's good. the The idea of the door, right, and being like, you have to go through a door to understand what's on the other side, and and their reinterpretation of the Guardian of the Wills or the Guardian of Gosh, the Guardian of Forever, is very useful and good and in. in the entirety of Star Trek, uh, you know, they, they get to the mm-hmm. fact of like, he's not on the same planet he was before in TOS because, you know, people in the time, the temporal war were trying to use his portal you, to, yeah. to kill people. And, you well, know, it's it's all, like, like, it was a big problem. And he's like, I had to leave. <laughs> yeah. You should go back and watch that one. That is a very controversial episode because they spend a lot of time in 1930, in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it is filmed on a back lot. It's really funny. If you watch it, you can see them like running around corners and back into alleys they ran out of on the other side. <laughs> very, very TOS in terms of its budget. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, Harlan Ellison wrote that one. And so, A, it's great. And B, Harlan Ellison's a complete jerk. So he said it's like the worst episode of anything he's ever written. And you're like, buddy, this is like some of the best Star Trek anyone's ever ever put out there. I don't understand your problem. Yeah. There's so many know. good uh, quips from Spock in that episode. There's I mean, it's just good. The deal in that one, right? Like I, I'm trying I've seen it and I remember like flashes. I didn't recall anything about the Guardian of Forever though. But the the deal is right, like Kirk falls in love with someone. And he has to leave her so that the timeline stays right or something like this, right, at the end? I believe so, yeah, because Kirk, they, Kirk and Spock have to live there for, like, a week waiting for McCoy oh, to show up. Right, like a while, right? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. You know, and and it's the depression. Um, right. So, like, he he kind of knows the future and... And, they, and yeah, and they can't just like go around like saving everyone either, even though maybe theoretically they could, right? They could, yeah. That was part of his his uh, pain at the end is like I could help here and all that. It, it's really good. It's it's a very complicated episode for Star Trek, and it was very ambitious at the time. To it was only you know 
when was this episode uh 67 so people the first season right? watching people watching tv would have remembered a lot of them might have remembered the depression or grown up during yeah, sure. the depression you know sure. what i mean 67 absolutely right yeah. depression in the, the 20s and 30s yeah yeah or yeah 30s into the 40s, 30s you know? into the 40s, yeah. For and they sure. know they know coming ahead of them is not a lot of good, right? Like coming ahead of these characters is a world war and all that sort of stuff. And so mm-hmm. for for Star Trek to have put that out there and like oh, well, you know, the, people said that originally and I think this is a true statement just in general anyway, but uh Star Trek was when initially conceived it, it came out in the 60s was really avant-garde it was really like a a very different thing like sci-fi of course was a thing even back then right of course uh, it maybe takes a different bent uh then than it did now but the the ideas that star trek was putting forward about like you know this utopian federation these people all working together of different races and creeds and different ethnicities and nations right yeah U- a united earth is something they talk about and that's like a whoa <laughs> in the 60s that was a crazy concept and yeah. you know it's in some ways still pretty crazy today yeah. um so it, anyway you know Star, Tra- like- Star Trek politics and stuff it is a billion books and scholarly articles and stuff about this but they were very uh progressive for the time extremely yeah in some ways you know still progressive today sadly and and um, you know the end of that episode they have to let somebody die, you know, and it's like pre right. pre uh, really having the prime directive be a thing. You know, they very much interfere. Oh, yeah. But the original series is all about interfering. So, you know, <laughs> but yeah, and McCoy, and- you know, McCoy is trying to do his best to say it's just it's a very I this is why it's very hard to like know what to say about Harlan Ellison, because like this episode is just so crazy good when you think back on it and then you think about how he much he hated writing it and he thought it was terrible and how him and gene roddenberry fought over it all the time. it's like super famous how bad mm-hmm. the relationship between him and gene roddenberry got over this episode anyway i think the uh but it does you know to get back on track here a little yeah, bit sorry the, sorry it's just no, 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 them, it's fine. It's good them bringing that it. episode into this was really a, like for, I mentioned that I thought it was a cue because I, it was kind of a shock for me to be like, oh my god, what? Like, how did they make this not a cue? And then they right. they brought in that episode, and you have to think like, wow, okay, somebody somewhere is paying attention, you know? Yeah, and, the, and they're left with another impossible choice here, and that's good. We talked about it, it because it's, it's the same thing, right? I was yep. just going to say the bringing it back is. At the end, right, the only way to go forward is to let this person go. And so this is them, you know, uh, giving Giorgio her her off-ramp here, off the show. Uh, and I think they do a great job. I, I, you know, this, I mean, these last whole two episodes were her entire, you know, the them building the bridge to the off-ramp where she could get off the show. Yeah. But, you know, it was a... Uh, her character arc had been mostly concluded at the end of last season, mm-hmm. right? She didn't have, she didn't in the way they were writing this season, she didn't have much to do. So they exactly. either needed to bring her into some sort of XO or captaincy or something, or they needed to let her go. Right. Because she was g- going to be a, Oh, excuse me. 
it, she was going to be a problem for them going forward being who she is right right and if they had if they had ignored that the show would have been worse for it because she would have just felt like she's hanging around you know she would have ended up like the janet reno characters like where was she like why wasn't jojo here fixing this problem right you know or it would have been a you know or you know or she would have taken over every scene that she was in right yeah which she did currently she she did every single time she's on screen she's the best character and that, I mean, that's a testament to her acting as well as just that every single yeah. person on this staff seems to know exactly who she is. And so they can write her very easily. And so, you know, it is, uh, so I, I'm not blaming them for, for taking her off the show this way. And it's a great goodbye. You get a lot of like, you know, I think all the stuff we talked about earlier is kind of like manifested here. We talk about how, you know, both Michael and Giorgio here in this universe realize that you know, the, the stuff that Giorgio went through is, was really, you know, her coming to grips with like what she wanted for this Michael, maybe more than the other one. And Michael coming to grips with like, Hey, you know, as much as she loved Giorgio, the prime universe one who is dead, she has similar and like independent, but also good feelings about this one. Right. She may have, she may have gotten what she needed and wanted more from this one than the first one. She might have gotten the 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 base lessons from the first one, mm-hmm. but the true how to how to think about others and how to act more definitively and more in line with who Burnham has become as a person came from mm-hmm. this Giorgio than it yeah. did from her captain that gave her her training, right? Yeah, and I, I think the you know. Um, they both come to grips with that kind of like these two people, you know, prime Burnham and mirror Giorgio were the people that they, that each other needed. Right. Yeah. Really. Whether they, yeah, really great scene. Um, You know, and then she, she walks off into the portal at the end of the episode here. Yeah. They give her seven Um, send offs after. Yeah. They have like a really, (laughs) they have like a really great uh, scene with, you know, everyone cheersing each other and, uh, uh, I so. would have given my left pinky to see her standing on the concourse of DS nine on the, <laughs> on the other end of this thing. Uh, it's just like, that's where she shows up. Yeah. Like pops in somewhere around that because the, uh, guardian tells her if she has she to says, go back to yeah, the time she, when the were more aligned. Yeah. Right. Um, you're going to go where you're needed where the universes are more aligned. And I thought about this, actually. I thought about where should she be? Where should she go? She can't go to the original series timeline. I mean, they could, but it doesn't seem likely. Well, she could She could later in the original series timeline, I guess. She could she show up in Strange New Worlds. She could show up in the Strange New Worlds era. Yeah. So she can't. she just can't go before any of the stuff in discovery because then she would change the past and then everything would be different. Right. My suspicion is they're going to have her show up after discovery has left or sometime in there. I mean, you know, out of game knowledge, we know that her intent has been to run a section 31 show. I think that yeah, it seems, it seems likely that that's still on track here. Considering if she, if she wants to do it, they should. Yeah, there's been discussion about that and her her starring in her own Star Trek show has been a thing they've talked about. And it's been delayed a few times, so I'm not sure what the 
the plan yeah. is still, but it, you I mean, know, section 31 like a chance for them to be like, all right, we can get this character off. Not that it's bad that they need to get her off or anything, but like, this is the way that we can write her out of the show well and do yeah. a great job with it. And if she wants to then go pursue her own show or whatever, that's great. They, she can do that here. We've left it open to do whatever she wants. Yeah. Right. Like any, you know, the, the universe is your oyster here to some respect. Yeah. I, I just good, I, so good. there's two. I I thought about this for a while, and so I think there's two possibilities. One, she rebuilds Section 31 immediately after Discovery would have left. Right? She shows up and she's in Strange New Worlds sometimes, and she's got a show that's concurrent with that, so they can keep the universes together. Yeah. But another timeline in which Section 31 needs rebuilding is the DS9 timeline. Okay. Because I mean, it, because it, it initially appears there and Section 31 becomes a foil for everything that has kind of become wrong with, with uh, Starfleet in those years, right? Like, they have way too much power. They're a shadowy organization that doesn't, you know, it's, it's the same thing that it was in the previous version before it fell apart. And so by the end, it's almost dismantled by... Um, Cisco, right? Because of how bad off they get because of Section Thirty One and how militarized Starfleet has become. So it's a it's an interesting take on it that they could do. I think it's it, um. So I don't know. The, the problem is though, if they oh, so you mean she would be the one to remake it, right? Is that right. what you're saying? So she could show up in two timelines. She, where... she shows up in section 31 in that time, then she's the problem. And that's not what you want. Right. Of course not. Yeah. So it would have to be a slightly after, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So like past the end of DS nine, somewhere around in, there, yeah. somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they want to do. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I will happily watch anything. Michelle Yeoh puts herself in um, that has Star Trek on it. So don't even, well, they have a writer's room for, for section 31. So, and it's written by some of the people it's written. That show is going to be written by some of the people that wrote these two episodes. Okay. I'm, so I like it. Yep. I'm in, I'm in for that. All right. We did technically so watch good, three episodes. Though, good, Andrew, good. So. Goodbye to her Imperial majesty, mother of the father, mother and of the fatherland overlord of Vulcan, Dominus of Kronos, Regina, and or emperor, Philip, and Giorgio, Augustus, Eponius, Centaurus. <laughs> <laughs> we I'm have to say goodbye to her one one full time yes uh she will be missed uh very much by me yeah uh we skipped in the last couple episodes the fact that apparently the kelpians sent a signal uh yeah we weren't talking about it but there was here no reason go. to talk about it because literally all you find out is the kelpians sent a distress signal uh they're they had pinpointed the burn right so it is ruby and nebula Next episode is called Sukal. Uh, the they had pinpointed the burn. It came from this nebula. Inside the nebula, somehow, was a distress signal from a Kelpian ship. That's what that's what we got. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go there. Uh, they do. They do. There's a life uh, sign. They gotta go. There's a life sign because we hacked into the sensors and we know somebody's alive. So we gotta go. This was Book's chance to be like, oh hey, I did something good. I magically technologized us so that we can uh oh yeah he had, or he had what emerald chain tech that he plugged into the ship yeah 
which sure that's not going to come back and haunt us at all. No, nope. won't come back. And well, the Admiral literally says like, well, that was dumb. Why'd you do that? <laughs> Why'd you allow him to do that? Saru? Yeah. Uh, kind of getting, uh, owned here. Yeah. Uh, so then does the nebula or whatever is like some kind of crazy place and it, discovery can't fly in there. Yeah. Uh, it's too, too much, um, radiation, radiation shear or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, so they have books ship go question mark because it can morph as this book ship is hella dumb looking, man. I just like, man, don't. I don't understand why it had to become this thing that it wasn't initially. Yeah. Uh, I and guess they got more world. SFX budget again. I was just going to say they waste SFX budget, having it like split apart and be a deck of cards that shuffles itself around and stuff. It's dumb. Let's it let it dumb. be a little ship that flies around and does stuff. It, it was cool. It make any sense that. because what happened? What happens inside the ship when that happens? Do people get shorn in half? What it? What I don't know, bro. On? They don't ever explain or show because it's the future and they don't have to. It's so dumb. It's dumb. Extremely dumb. This is why I wanted to just talk about the first two the whole time. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but I think we should talk about, like, we can ignore kind of the outside stuff. And they eventually decide to make an away team of Hugh uh, uh, to treat whatever the the injuries this life sign person has. Sure. Uh, Michael and Saru. and Saru. Yeah. And they're going to go down to a. Uh, you got to say like, what it is, man. What the planet's made out of. Oh, yeah, sure. The planet is made out of dilithium. That's what we learn. Yes. The whole planet is made from dilithium. Yeah. That's kind of cool and crazy. It is crazy. And it is cool. Uh, So we get there and. uh. They teleport down, right? And uh, all well, of they, a sudden... We find out that Osira is attacking Kaminar before that, which is yeah. where the Kelpians are from, because she, she's trying to lure Discovery out. Right. So let's remember this for later. She's trying to lure Discovery to Kaminar. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, we're remembering it. Don't okay, worry. Okay, remember it for later. Um, and so... Uh, <laughs> Burnham, has tell- a funny, yeah. Burnham, Burnham has a funny line about why she has to go. She tells Book that that the Saru doesn't have the ability to be objective. Let me talk about Burnham the last three seasons. I know, right? This is like, is this the pot and the yes, kettle here? The pot like, and the kettle, everything. Yeah. Everyone just calling each other <laughs> what they, they yeah. themselves are. Yeah. She, they leave yeah. Tilly in charge before they go away, by the way. And, uh, I wrote here in my notes. It's very nice speech, Burnham. Thanks for telling her about the burr. But she's going to be a terrible captain. Yep. I was like, oh, we're putting Tilly in charge. This is a bad idea. <laughs> all right. So they go down. Uh, all, and all of a sudden, they are like uh, remade in some kind of weird sense. Hugh becomes a Bajoran. Uh, Burnham becomes a Trill. And Doug Jones now becomes Doug Jones. Doug, I literally time. wrote Doug Jones in my notes, too. I wrote down... I wrote down Little Red Riding Hood and Doug Jones walking through the forest. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's I've very met silly. Doug Jones. He's a very uh, good guy, by the way. He's very nice. Uh, I have, so it's nice. Uh, I have never met him, but I know he, he's been in like a billion things and he's just like a a, a great, well-known actor guy. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's nice for people to be able to see what he looks like once on this show. I was just going to say, he plays Saru, and so you never actually see Doug Jones' face here. Did you notice how differently he speaks without the prosthetics on his face? Yeah, right? Like, he had to, he has to, like, accentuate the way he talks. 
Yeah. So he sounds more like Saru. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. Yeah. Uh, you could see him. And then also like he's trying to stand awkwardly like he does as Saru. Yeah. So that he, you know, you still think he's, uh, it's the same guy. Anyway. I like that. He, he's like, my heels like, are touching the ground. Cause I just, just finally noticed in season three that he's wearing those weird shoes. Oh, I know. I noticed that then I was like, Oh, well he's a human now. So of course his feet. And then he like yeah. mentions it, but he says it outright. I, so, um, when I saw this, I thought immediately uh, something bad's going to happen to Kaminar, and this is their send off for Saru. They're letting Doug Jones out mm. so that you can see him before he leaves the show. Still could happen, I suppose. I it's just a prediction that I wrote down that I thought I'd mention because uh, I wrote wrote four exclamation uh, points after Doug Jones. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this episode because I didn't like it too much. I don't either, but we need to talk about how it's a we hollow environment. Yeah, I was going to say, so like, let's just breeze through the plot here like super quick, right? Okay. Uh, Tilly was in, is left in command. Uh, they go down and all of a sudden Osiris shows up because of course. Uh, and the, the hollow environment they're in turns out the life sign was a kid. Yeah, uh, since they've been trapped there for a super long time. 125 years this kid has been trapped here somehow. No one explains how long um Kelpians, Kelpians live, live apparently which I that long. have a giant question mark uh, uh, about. So great. But they've created a hollow environment to basically raise the kid when everyone right. had died so that the rescuers could come get him and he wouldn't know the difference but you know it obviously went on too long. The holographic environment is falling apart and we get some cool squid monsters and MC Escher stairs. Yes. Uh, you get a, uh, and, and you eventually learn the whole point of the program is the kid has to face his scary monster from his childhood. And when he faces his fears there, the program is going to allow him then to, you know, live in the real world or whatever. The monster looks very much like a Kelpian and what's the other monster? What's the other race from their planet? Oh, um, I was about to say the Goa'uld, but that's <laughs> It's true though. <laughs> it is, I, I forget. You're right though. It does. It, the, um, the, uh, I totally don't remember, but the it, other it race is on like the Kelpian planet is the Baul, not the Goa'uld. Oh, the Baul. Yeah, it's close enough. Close <laughs> but it looks like if you had a Baul and a, and a Kelpian, like that could yeah. shape shift, then you would get what this thing is. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy and weird and a good use of special effects money. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, I was. Uh, I thought it was a cool monster. I thought it was a cool look for the monster. Yeah. None of the use of special effects in this episode was bad, right? No. All the like, great. oh, these hollows are all bad and they're glitchy and flickering and like inserting their voices all weird and modulating and like yeah. falling apart or whatever. Good. Yay. Yeah. Use the special effects on this, not on the stupid little robots and not on the stupid space battle they have with between Tilly and the Emerald Chain people. It was so. Stupid space battle they they immediately show up until he's like okay we can cloak right let's cloak and okay, then everyone okay, hold, does on, that. Hold, on, hold, on, hold on hold on i have a question osira yeah. is attacking kaminar to lure out discovery mm. but then takes a trans warp tunnel straight to discovery so my yeah, Someone yeah. says, well, they can just track our spore drive. Oh, I didn't hear that part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that happens as the... Someone says, how did they find us? 
maybe they're tracking the spore drive. Because I literally wrote down how. How could they possibly know where they are? Well, that was going to be my question, right? I just assumed that it was going to come out that, like, <laughs> ah, Book's little thing betrayed them. It right? has to be that because it doesn't make any sense if it's that they can track the spore drive because then they would have just destroyed Federation headquarters before now. Look, the, yeah. look, they keep jumping to this one spot. That must be where Federation headquarters is. I just right. don't. Yeah. Why did they not just go there? And like, because that's what their goal was anyway, all, right? Isn't transwarp what the Borg use? Yes. Okay. Uh, wouldn't a Starfleet ship in the future be able to be like, oh, there's something coming in transwarp? Because by the time TNG and Voyager and all that happens, there's a different signal for ships that are in transwarp. Yes, it's different because right, transwarp is the thing that's like beyond warp ten. That's the idea. It's the under. It's the under the fabric of the universe warp where you have to go in conduits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like yeah, it's almost like wormholes between places, right? Basically, yeah, fast like wormholes are. Yeah, transwarp tunnels. Yeah. So Osira knows how to use them. We somehow. very God, briefly so mentioned oh, so well, this is why i wanted to breeze past all this man I know, but some of it is just so sucks. some of it sucks so bad that you're just like what happened here it's like they took they took a tos episode in the last two episodes and treated it with such love and care and in this one they were just like hmm transwarp i mean i don't even care about how like you could even, if you just want to, like, hand wave away all of this, you could just say, ah, she attacked Kaminar, but she herself wasn't there ever and was always going to be showing up here. Who cares? Well, the, like, it, why I, bother with the Kaminar stuff? Because it's a, like, a feint, man. A, like, a, she wanted to attack Kaminar anyway. What, Who knows? Okay, Who so what, what if Discovery had gone to Kaminar and she was already, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It just gets worse after this. You're thinking about it, and they don't want you to think about it. Oh, my God. And it just gets worse as she and Tilly are talking to each other. Yeah, I really didn't appreciate any of the time that Tilly was in the captain's chair talking with Osira. It was just like, this is dumb. Yeah. Okay, so, Uh, yeah. They're here. They're not a Federation ship. They'll be here in two minutes. They're here now. Let's cloak once they're here. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, despite all of this... And then, the Osiris ship cloaks, too? Yeah, sure. Why not? Ugh. They were able to retrofit cloaking onto Discovery by, like, blinking at it and, like, throwing some magic dust on it. So I'm sure her ship can cloak, okay, too. Okay, so this is the other question I have from earlier. They retrofitted Discovery with all this crazy stuff. No hollow suite that we've seen so far. But everyone on the surface of the planet knows exactly how hollow suites works. This, you mean the one person that's down there? There's only one person. No, 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 no. Saru and Hugh and Burnham are down on the planet. Burnham, mm-hmm. you could understand understanding what a holosuite is. She was in this universe for a year. But the other two who also know how holograms work and have never seen a hologram before. That's not true, right? Saru talks to the Admiral as a hologram all the time. Okay, but they don't have, like, holodecks and stuff like that in the future. Or in, in the timeline that these guys are from. Uh, okay. But, like, you know... So how he, would he know how a holodeck works? 
one assumes that they got the crash course of here's what a holodeck is when they showed up, right? Okay. At Starfleet. I, I can hand wave that one, but still. I mean, I agree that it's something that Saru and Hugh should not like have direct experience with since they would not have had time to figure it out, probably. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make it better. Um, yeah. The they Burnham gets to impersonate a program and try to help the kid uh, and learn out uh, the Kelpian child here, who is not a child at all anymore. Um, try to help him, uh, and at, in in the process of this, uh, the kid gets scared by the monster, and the dumbest thing in the episode happens is that this kid screams or something. And then they say, I don't know how, how does Saru figure this out? Saru didn't figure it out. Who does figure it out? Um, Hugh, Dira and Burnham. Okay. So this is after Burnham leaves then after Burnham leaves Burnham. No. So, so book leaves the before the fight. Right. right. Book leaves Book, to go try and get them back. Book goes to try and get them because Discovery can't jump back in to get them. Right. Yes. They don't have enough shields. Yeah. So then Book, uh, Adira sneaks onto Book's ship. Yes. Somehow, somehow, without any communication at all, knows that if she takes the meds down in her hand, They'll disappear. So she sticks them in her mouth. Yeah, not explained. Yeah, not explained great. how she knew that they. I mean, maybe the communications were working, but it seemed like they implied the communications were not working. Book then tells them over the radio whatever happened down there, you need to make sure it doesn't happen again because it was almost another burn. I see. Okay, that's the line then. Yeah, and they say that over the radio, so everybody hears it. And then all the characters have the same reaction I did. How is that even possible? What are we talking about here? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know what it to even say to a Kelpian screaming in a holodeck program is going to cause the burn. Um, Well, uh, we don't get to find out because the episode ends. So we'll yeah. have to find uh, out next time. Maybe the payoff will be good. I am doubtful. Yeah. So, oh, so hold on. We also got to ask. I got to ask another question because I don't remember. Okay. After Tilly and Osira just spend the whole time quipping and antagonizing each other, which just doesn't make any sense because yeah, you're spending true. that time not being a captain and figuring out the plan. Yep. It's like it's like they watched Kirk on a bridge one time. And they're like, well, obviously every captain has to just be full of one-liners. It's like Kirk would say a one-liner, cut the ho- the feed, and then figure out a plan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he antagonized Khan. He antagonized Khan to try and get Khan to make mistakes. And then while Khan was making and, mistakes... And, and to keep him occupied. Yes. It's literally... It's literally... Odira is doing the thing that Kirk did to Tilly. Yes. Os- Osira does the stuff that Kirk does, but... He, or, sorry, she, yeah. She yeah, does it yeah, to yeah. Tilly instead. And somehow... They transport past the shields. Also unexplained. And the shields are bad. I don't know. 
I don't have a good answer. Completely unexplained how they can just transport past the shields. I am going to hope that it is explained next episode in haha that piece of technology book plugged in gave me access to all your systems so I could do it had better be all your stuff. It had better be that otherwise it makes half of this makes no sense. I just wrote a big like LOL, they just teleport in. If they could have done that, why didn't they do this so much longer? Yeah, why didn't so you do it at the very up? freaking beginning? Yeah. I guess because the, sh- the ships were cloaked, but like, why didn't they do that the last time they were fighting when the ships were why not cloaked, even though they were retrofitted with cloak? Why didn't they just stay cloaked? Am I wrong that Discovery was retrofitted before the first fight? Uh, no, right? It was after. No, it was, it was before. It was before they, they just, they were like, oh, we can't engage. It was like, why, why didn't you cloak then if you had cloak this whole time? Yeah, I don't know. Cause it definitely had those weird nacelles that are detached for no reason in that mm-hmm. scene before when they were, when Osiris ship was fought by Book's ship. I don't know. Whatever. This, this was okay. The more we talk about it, I, That's why I wanted to gloss look, the over scene, it. The scenes on the planet were good. The scenes yeah. in the ship were good. And so, like, I thought the episode was better than I thought it was. I liked the entire story about the kid in the holodeck and but growing every, up and having to protect every, him. All yes, that stuff. Really yes, good. really good. Everything else was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Not as bad uh, as some of the worst, but pretty, pretty unexplainable off the top. Yep. Yeah, you're uh, right to try and skip through as much of it as possible because without the answers to all this stuff, we, we you know, normally yeah, we, we've been yeah, pretty yeah. good, man. We've been really good about getting the two-parters into the same thing because this type of stuff happens where they gloss over so much in the first one and then everything is explained in the second one. Yep, and, and I think that's, they, that they is us. half of our frustration here because I'm sure we'll watch the second one. 80% of our questions will be explained whether we like the explanation or not, different question, but at least they will explain it, right? And then sure. we'll be like, okay, we're moving on to whatever the next thing is. And yeah. then we won't have this feeling that we have here where like, A, I hated vast, large parts of this episode, not just because they weren't resolved, but because they're like full of plot holes and probably a thing that is explained in the next episode, right? It has to be. And then other stuff is just like, I don't like the stuff that they did here. <laughs> So, so, but even if they explain it, like the thing, the thing was how we got access to your ship. It's like, well, book said that it's been plugged into his ship this whole time. So what? Maybe there's, maybe they're setting this up as book betraying him. I'd be, you know, okay. That would be something. Yeah. That would be something. I don't know. I don't know what happens. I'm completely, uh, off on a it, limb here, so yeah. who knows? It, but book I, it's book a, would have to be betraying them. Right? Like we'll the, we don't know. Right? We don't know. But it, it's the only way that it, it could all round out to having made sense. If the thing he plugged into the ship worked like it worked, and it gave them access to the thing, but he knew the whole time that it, that it was would, a tracking device. So a tracking track device. Order, right? Yeah, yeah. And that he so, needed to plug it into their ship so that it could overrun their systems and they could jump past the shields and all that sort of stuff. Then we have to assume the only way to write that well is that book betrayed them. And I like book a lot. And if he did, then, you know, I'm sure it would be well acted. <laughs> I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll find out that he had a reason and there was a, she was after his family, like the other guy who knows or something. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, I think that's the end of this. We don't really have a lot else to say about this episode. Um, perhaps on the next subspace transmission, uh, we will wrap up season three. We uh, will. So there are only two more episodes. There's only two so. more. We will, in fact, always be wrapping it up next episode, <laughs> which is actually our thirtieth episode of of uh, subspace transmissions. That's a thirtieth episode to end season three. It's all rounding out. Patting ourselves on the back here virtually. Good job, us. Uh huh. Uh huh. Pretty good. Definitely planned. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help but laugh at that one. We were always going to get here, Andrew. Don't. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Don't let don't, people in. Don't. Yeah. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I, you know, like, what do we say about these? Like those terra firma episodes were great. Those terra firma episodes might be some of the best Star Trek I've seen in a while. Really, really good. And this one, uh, you know, less. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where we're at. I don't know what's coming after that episode because we probably have a little bit of a break before yeah. they're ready for with new Star Trek. Although, I have Paramount Plus is weird, dude. I haven't used it yet. The I watched all these episodes before Paramount Plus launched. So uh, I watched them all in the CBS app which is still on my phone, but when I stream it to my TV, it shows the Paramount Plus logo on the TV. And everything on Paramount Plus... Oop, there we go. It's I'm trying to open... You can hear... Uh, I was watching The City from uh, Edge of Tomorrow last night. And it's still open. Uh, if I just search like anything on Nickelodeon, like SpongeBob, in the CBS app, it's it's here. Mm-hmm. It's CBS. So, like, they just turned the CBS app into the Paramount app, I guess? Yeah. That, yeah, that was always what it was. But they it were, they took CBS All Access and renamed it to Paramount Plus. But and I don't have changed. a new Paramount Plus app. It's just, like, everything is now in all the apps. So if you have, like, the Nickelodeon app, it's all in there, too. Because there's only one app. That's the whole point. It was unifying all their brands. No, but right? I, I don't have a new app. The Paramount app does not exist on my phone. You're not even listening to me. I'm saying all the apps are all the apps because on the back end, they just connected everything. I Instead see. of thinking okay. you have a Nickelodeon one and a CBS one and a whatever one, now it's just Paramount and it's everything. I'm sure eventually they're going to replace all your Nickelodeons and your CBSs and whatever, those apps with one Paramount app. But they already have the Nickelodeon one. Why not just let it keep working? I mean, right? they definitely have a Paramount app. So I wonder if that will just replace all the apps in the phones somehow. Like your Nickelodeon app will just be updated to the Paramount app somehow. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm not in charge of their thing. But I can tell you, like, it was always meant that the subscription would just carry over and just be the same thing. So it makes perfect sense that your thing that's that was there for logging into CBS all access just logs you into Paramount plus because that's what happens on the website and everything everywhere else too. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, it's just the thing. And you now are connected to it's just, the, it's strange. It, it's more efficient for sure. It just is not the way that other companies have handled stuff like this. Gee, it's not like this is a, uh, being handled weird and was a weird thing to start with and is not all the way thought out and not handled the same way that it's done by other ones. Yeah. Oh, anyway, Paramount Plus is out, so all Star Trek and everything else is all in one app now. So maybe we can find something in there after. We'll see. 
Yeah, who knows? Uh, and like, you know, I'm not sure when the next uh, Star Trek thing is intended to come out. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's probably not going to be a lower decks this year. I'm guessing. I feel like it's been not long enough, but maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they have a date for lower decks season two, because how do you, it's really, well, the pandemic, I'm sure it's really hard to animate on home computers when you can't move stuff on fiber networks. Right. Uh, between so I, I people ima- to do their jobs. I imagine that's been a bit of a problem for that show. I imagine there was at least some amount of pause in filming for all the other main shows, if they were filming already or if they were trying to start or whatever. Yeah. I don't think they've even started Picard filming. No, no, I, it, I, I, if they had, I hadn't heard that they had started filming it. So I think the stuff that had been started filming was Strange New Worlds, but I don't know that they said they finished it. And I know they said that there's going to be a season four of Discovery, but I don't know that yeah. they started filming that either. Okay, Picard began filming in February, so that won't be out for months. That Maybe that's an end of the year thing or more yeah. likely early next year. I have a feeling most of the stuff is going to get delayed to on top of each other. So we mm-hmm. might get lower decks in like the late fall and then Picard at the end of the year and discovery next year. Sometime strange new worlds will probably be next year at this point sometime. Although they, they were hiring for filming, so they might also overlap in that fall winter. Or, or more likely, right. They don't bundle everything on top of each other. They just, sort one of would hope they don't, right. That's the point of their services. They want you to watch every single week and they got to spread out the star Trek. Yeah, I imagine they're going to take it and just be like, okay, you know, whichever one is fil- finished first or yeah. was intended to go first or whatever. It's just going to be that uh, one. And then they, they wait two weeks after the last episode of that one and then it's the next one. It's right? going to be strange for us. We've always had something to catch up on so we could like. I know for the first time, this podcast is current. Yeah. Number one. We finally <laughs> caught up to present day. Not two or three years before we started. Yeah. It's been started, a wild ride, but uh, we'll find out what happens at the end here and uh, yeah. see if see if any of it makes any sense. We got two more episodes. Yep. And if uh, before then you want to send non-spoiler information of stuff we missed, if you have a TNG episode from the Mirror Universe, where, 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 where? Uh, you could send that to podcast at weweregamers.com. Uh, we're also at weweregamers on almost all social media. Uh, we are facebook.com slash we were gamers. Check us out there. Search for we were gamers on YouTube and subscribe to us. Hit that little notification button. You'll see when the episodes go up. It's really easy on YouTube because you could just like click a playlist that has all the subspace transmissions. Uh, it's uh, that's really nice. Yeah, well, of course, you know, subscribe to the pod and you get the, this one in with all the other ones as well, uh, which is also good. Yeah, exactly. All right. Have a nice, nice, I don't know when this is coming out, but have a nice day whenever it came out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a um, like Osiris says, you know, what is it that you people say when you do the thing? It's oh like- my god, I hate, <laughs> I hate her so much. I, yeah. I, their characters snarking on each other was the most painful experience of that three hours, she's, and like snarking an- on the bridge about a fourth wall joke. I know is just even worse. I. She's an effective villain in that I hope she gets killed. Oh, very much so. Yeah, but like she seems to have brought out the worst in our other uh, ostensible captain here. 
Yeah. Ugh. Not not great. Uh, we'll see, but I don't. I'm not happy about it. Till right. next time. <laughs>